Welcome to Pack Talk Podcast, episode 98. Today we're talking about homesteading with dogs. And this topic came up from social media, which social media has its pros and cons. But one of the pros is communicating with other people all around the world. And there's a lot of Facebook groups with people working on different things. And so I was tagged in a group with people uh, that are focused on homesteading, having some dog problems. So that's how this topic came up. So we're going to address that today. Homesteading with dogs. There's there's a couple considerations going on when you're homesteading and you have some dogs. And uh, first of all, we'll just talk about what is homesteading. And homesteading is basically, you know, you have more than a home. You have a house, you have some property, generally a couple acres to a lot of acres. Usually you're going to have some extra animals that could be providing food or some kind of resource to you. You can have crops, you can have water, you can have a number of things, but that's basically what homesteading is. Essentially, you know, moving out of a more urban area and uh, starting to provide for yourself on that that property that you have. Um, Like I said, some people have just a couple acres and they have horses, donkeys, cows, chickens, whatever. Some people have more property. But it is becoming a more common practice. There's a lot of people trying to move out of congested areas, get themselves a property where they can get off the grid, for example. A lot of people are trying to go solar or other methods to get off the grid, essentially provide their own food, things like that, provide their own income. You know, they can be hatching eggs, selling those eggs, things like that. So that's one of the main things that is going on with homesteading. Like I said, it's becoming more common these days seems like anyway. And so when you have a homestead, a lot of people are probably going to include dogs into that homestead for a couple of potential reasons. Um, one, you know, a lot of people just have pets anyway. So they could be just moving from a, from a city into a homestead situation. They have a pet dog, that dog's with them. Other people, they may have more purposeful tasks for that dog. It could be protection of the property. It could be deterrent against potential threats outside of the property, whether those threats are like a human threat or whether those threats are some type of predator animal trying to go after their prey animals, you know, because most homestead animals, horses, cows, chickens, those types of things, goats, pigs, those are all prey animals. So, you know, if you have a homestead, you're going to have to protect them from potential predators, which could be coyotes, foxes, hawks, owls, you know, these types of things. Obviously, some of these species are protected, like hawks, owls, those types of things. So you're going to want to deter them from coming after your, uh, your prey animals. But also, you know, you could use dogs as a livestock guardian dog, similar to like just a property protection dog. But this is a dog that's staying with your livestock you know, protecting, deterring any potential threats. You could use dogs for hurting your animals. There's just a number of things you could be using dogs for. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about the, the different purposes of dogs on the homestead. We'll talk about what types of dogs could be best for the homestead. We're also going to be talking about common issues that are going to need work with the dogs. A lot of dogs are going to want to, uh, chase cats, chase poultry, chase livestock, things like that. We have to teach them not to do that. We have to teach dogs to respect boundaries of other animals, larger prey animals like horses, cows, ostriches, pigs, goats, those types of animals. And then uh, we're going to talk about how to resolve those issues. So that's kind of our goals today going through those things. Um, But before we proceed on, I've got Chris with me. I've got Ben with me. Chris has a homestead. So Chris... Um, give us some of your thoughts on a homestead and what dogs could potentially be used for on a homestead. Yeah. I mean, my, my idea of a homestead, I would say I'm in the very, uh, amateur phases of a homestead, homestead, you know, when I, my end goal for a homestead would be self-reliance, um, not necessarily off the grid per se, but, uh, the ability to be off the grid, you know, that would be. I'm at the finish You're talking stage. Talking about from a food, food from standpoint, a, anything, income, uh, food, you know, security, 
all that all that stuff power. community community power, power all that power yeah, yeah. power um so I mean, yeah, you can get crazy with it and go into down the prepper world, which uh, we do a little bit, you know. Um, but I, but in practical sense, a homestead is just self self reliance. We we can grow our own food, we can provide our own food or hunt our own food, we can protect ourselves. We have a community uh, that we can protect each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's to me what a homestead is, and that's kind of my goal, like what I want to slowly be moving towards. And so me personally, as far as dogs involvement in that, I think for the most part, it's still just pet dogs like i just want dogs to be involved in my family because we like dogs mm-hmm. um but i lean more towards the deterrent slash property protection side of things as far as my personal use of dogs mm-hmm. i don't think i'll get too much into uh hurt needing hurting type type dogs you mm-hmm. know what i mean i'm not gonna have cattle or livestock to that level mm-hmm. um maybe a cup maybe like you know two or three a couple goats or something like mm-hmm. that but nothing that I'll need some major herding or anything like that. So I'm looking more for, hey, shady person walks up on the property. I kind of want my dogs to go go challenge that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, or like you mentioned, the foxes. That's a real situation we've we've dealt with with our with our poultry. You mm-hmm. know, foxes like their Chick-fil-A, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so having dogs be able to run that stuff off, which, you know, my, my two hound dogs do. They'll they'll run off a fox, um, you know, but that that's kind of where I lean more towards as far as using dogs for the homestead, for mm-hmm. my personal uh Preference. Yeah, herding would probably be like a larger operation where sure. you got a lot of cattle, you have a lot of goats, you got to move them from one pasture to another. Yeah, you need assistance rounding those up, you know, so that and uh, that's what that would probably be used for. But I think most people, like you said, the smaller homesteads are going to be people with you know small numbers of livestock or poultry, they're going to be battling with the natural predators in their area, typically, probably going to be coyotes foxes hawks owls possums maybe raccoons maybe other dogs other (laughs) dogs yeah exactly those types of things possibly an armadillo i don't really think an armadillo would go after a poultry but you never know but those are going to be like your common your common natural predators and then of course when you're on a homestead there's less people around so if you have a suspicious individual or suspicious group of individuals on your property you know, you want that level of deterrence and a dog can help you with that. Or a dog can just be a, a, you know, perimeter alarm or an early warning system where you have a dog, it's barking, Yeah. you know, it tells you when there's something abnormal on your property or abnormal going on on your property. And with that being said, you know, talking about deterrence or early warnings, if you're on a homestead, that is a concern, you know, because there are going to be individuals that are up to no good. Maybe they want to, you know, acquire some of the livestock you have, you know, and so they, they intend to steal something. Maybe they intend to uh, take advantage of you or something like that. So having early warning out there is going to be helpful in some situations. So your dog can play into that. You know, what else can play into that? Guinea fowl. Mm. Yeah. Ben? I got, I got one about the livestock. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, cow tipping. Cow tipping. That's you gotta people. keep an eye out for that. Some <laughs> drunk high schoolers, country boys come through. You know, they want to flip a cow. They get some bright ideas. Some sounds bright like, ideas. sounds like Ben's talking from personal experience. I'm just, I'm just thinking about <laughs> tipping a cow. Well, I've heard when that we it's talk, impossible. When though. we talked to Three Arrows Farm, they yeah, said it's yeah, not yeah. possible. Yeah, they said it's, it's not possible. You'll upset the cow. It'll <laughs> yeah. probably be a bad day for you. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say, whenever we got up close to their cows, Ben went up and pet a couple. Those are big cows. They're big. You, cows, need, you would need bro. some muscle. You need. So some I don't manpower. think you're going to be able to tip that cow over. No, no, and once you not. upset it, it's probably going to crush you. You would probably need like four <clears throat> people to tip a cow. I, don't know, I'm t- I know, but you, look, you tell that to like a group of male high schoolers, <laughs> drunk. You can't tip a cow. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, you watch me, bubble. I'm a lineman on the football team. <laughs> anyway, out in the out in the country parts, you know, you're going to have things like that come up. So you, early warnings of. Dogs, you know, guinea fowl, they can be good early warning noisemakers for you. So definitely recommend looking into those. But before we proceed on with some common issues you can come up with with some dogs on a homestead, let's talk about what types of dogs might be best on a homestead. And I truly think this is just going to come down to the environment that you're in. Mm -hmm. So we are located in the low country of South Carolina, which is generally a warm area right? We have hot summers. Our winters are not that cold. You know, to us, they're cold, but they're not that cold. You know, we're talking about low thirties in the winters for most of the time, hardly any snow, 
you know, these types of things. There will be some frost, there will be some freezing, but nothing like, you know, feet of snow going on. You've got homesteads on the Midwest, the West Coast. They may have some snow, they may not have snow, they may have less, they do have less humidity, you know, so that can be a factor as well in the dog you choose. Then your northern homesteads, you know, we're talking about lots of snow, very cold temperatures for a duration of the year. So you have to take that into consideration as you're selecting a dog to be living on your homestead because a lot of homestead dogs are going to be living outside. If you have a dog that's a livestock guardian dog, that dog should be living with your animals, your livestock that it's guarding. So if you have a bunch of goats, you have a livestock guardian dog, you're going to want that dog living with the goats. And so that means that dog has to be able to hold up to the elements. And so if you're in a southern state like southeast United States, you could probably get away with a dog with medium, possibly short hair, right? And the breed probably doesn't really matter. What matters more is that dog's individual characteristics to help meet your goal, right? That could be livestock guardian. You know, you want that dog to be able to have boundaries around livestock, which you have to teach them, which we'll talk about. But it could also be what's their natural tendency to bark at something that seems suspicious. Can you teach them to bark at something that's suspicious for a deterrent? So you're looking at those individual characteristics. Of course, there are breeds, you know, that are typically used on homesteads for a variety of reasons, like your Australian cattle dogs, your blue healers, your German shepherds, you know, these types of dogs. There's a bunch of different breeds out there. Great Pyrenees, that's a big livestock guardian dog. And so if you get a dog that's traditionally a livestock guardian dog from a bloodline that has been doing livestock guardianship, it'll probably be more naturally or genetically uh, predisposed to that specific work set, that specific skill set. And the amount of training that you'll actually have to do will be less than a dog that you just grab from a shelter or something like that. But going back to kind of big picture, you know, based on your environmentals, Southeast United States, you know, you could get away with a shorter medium haired dog. Maybe you have some kind of shelter for the wintertime where they go into. I know goats will sometimes have shelters as well, basically just like a small pole structure, like wooden structure with sides on it and a roof just to kind of keep the elements out of there, keep the frost out of there, and they'll sleep in there or whatever. If you live uh, northern United States, you might need to go with a more longer-haired dog, you know, German Shepherd, Great Pyrenees, St. Bernard, these types of dogs that have thicker hair. What's those uh, mountain dogs, Bernice mountain dogs, Mm -hmm. you know, those types of dogs. Anything with like a thick coat to get through those heavy winters while they're working. You know, if you're in the western United States, you might have a hybrid kind of depending on your actual location. You know, I used to live in San Diego for a couple of years and believe it or not, at nighttime it'd be cold. In the daytime it'd be like 70s, you know, so you could probably get away with a thicker haired dog in that situation as well. But if you have a longer haired dog or a thicker haired dog in the summertime, you might need to have some additional shelter for them to get out of the heat, you know, or those dogs might make their own kind of cooling spots. They'll dig some spots in the ground. They'll go lay where the pigs lay in the mud, these types of things to help them cool off. So just some considerations, big picture considerations on if you're looking for a dog for your homestead, some things you might want to think about. Chris, you have any other additional considerations? No, I mean, that's all, that's all good stuff. I like, I mean, just personal preference. I like most of the shepherding breeds i feel like they're a good they can handle the heat they can handle the cold you know it's a good it's a good balanced uh breed whereas something like a, a cane corso a lot of people mm. will use them for property protection they might not do so well in snow you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying they got no no coat or nothing yeah, yeah. um they'll but, get cold so yeah, yeah i think i think shepherding shepherding breeds just or is my personal preference german shepherd malinois dutch shepherd mm-hmm. uh, australian shepherd or mm-hmm. even the um like what is a river that we've trained? Oh, uh, border collie. Uh, border collies. Yeah, those, those are, are those are really good, yep. especially for herding and stuff. Their yep. coats, I feel like they can hang in the heat. Mm-hmm. Um, they can also hang in the cold. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing is what you talked about is like if you're, especially if you're if you're wanting large, you got large scale, you got a farm or you got a lot of acreage and you're gonna mm-hmm. have lots of livestock. 
you, it's not about like, hey, let me get this specific breed or let me mm-hmm. get this dog. Like you want, you want a bloodline that's been doing that work that's mm-hmm. going to set you up and you get a dog that has the right temperaments for those types of things. Or if it's, if it's more like me, more geared towards the property protection side of things, or mm-hmm. even at least you want a dog that's going to alert to suspicious activity. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm going to go into the dogs that are, that have a bloodline in the working side of things, mm-hmm. whether it's police work or uh, sport dogs, that kind of stuff, more of the protection sports and yeah. whatnot. So I think that's more important than, than anything, but the environmental is definitely important as well. Depending on your setup, you might have a number of dogs, you yeah, know, if you have sure. some uh, pastures where you have goats or, and, you know, a pasture could be something that's super small, a couple acres, less than an acre of goats and pigs, things like that, they could be really big, right? But let's say you have a couple pastures of smaller livestock like goats and pigs, you might have some type of dog like a Great Pyrenees, for example, in that pasture with them. Mm -hmm. And then for your overall property deterrent protection, you might have a German Shepherd that's moving around, right? something like that. And now there's more considerations with that. You have to make sure that your dogs understand how to interact with the other animals you also have to make sure the dogs know how to interact with each other. Right. Right. So that we're just talking about layers of things to consider and train to, to make sure that your homestead is operating the way you want it to without issues. Um, you know, big dogs versus smaller dogs on a homestead too. bigger picture depends on your goals. Like an Australian cattle dog can be a really good livestock protection, you know, livestock, guardian dog protection dog really good at herding obviously if you train to that personal protection there's or uh, property protection there's definitely capability there you know but it is a smaller dog you know so someone walking up with ill intent a smaller dog versus a larger dog may have some kind of factor in their mind right a bigger dog might be more intimidating if your smaller dog like an australian cattle dog can turn on their aggression effectively and show proper aggression to that potential threat, that might be a good enough deterrent, you know? So again, it's going to come down to what you're actually looking for, you know? To be honest, smaller dogs are probably going to have less uh, issues from a health perspective than a bigger dog. You know, think about a bodybuilder versus like a, um, you know, leaned out, uh, leaned out body weight type worker, right? A bodybuilder has a lot more muscle, so their body has to work harder to provide nutrients, oxygen, energy to those muscles. They're going to fatigue faster than that leaned out person that's doing, you know, body weight style training from a training standpoint. So big dog versus little dog, that bigger dog has more mass, has more muscle, has larger organs. Their body has to work more to provide nutrients and oxygen to that, to that body overall versus a smaller dog, like a border collie, a Australian cattle dog, a blue healer, you know, their bodies are smaller. So their body will probably have less health issues long-term because their body can operate overall more effectively, right? Because there are health concerns you have to think about as you start having more animals on your homestead. You got your dogs, you have your small livestock, your poultry, your cats, whatever you're doing. All these animals have a good purpose but now you're talking about learning and understanding how to properly take care of their health as well. So the bigger dogs are going to have to make sure you're preserving their joints, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that their diets are appropriate, right? Making sure that their uh, parasites, potential parasite problems, you know, worms and things like that, intestinal worms, you know, all kinds of worms they can get just from hanging out with uh, livestock animals and, and stuff like that. Making sure that you're preventing those effectively, you know. But big dog versus smaller dog, just some considerations there depending on what your goals are. But other animals that you have on your homestead, I kind of went off on a little tangent there, but like if you have cats, you know, you got to teach your dog how to operate around the cats. Teach your cat how to operate around the dogs. You know, dogs might be your livestock guardian, your deterrence, your herding, your protection, purposeful, task-oriented animal. Your cats might be helping to... uh, you know, mitigate some pests that might be around, you know, your, your rats, your mice that are attracted to, to livestock areas, to poultry areas, mice and rats can get into your feed containers. They can actually kill your poultry, you know, in some cases they can spread more disease. So you want to, you know, control that population. They are going to be around. You just want to control that population. So cats can be really good at that. You know, cats can also (laughs) destroy some of the natural resources that are around too. 
They can eat small birds, you know, they can eat, uh, things you don't want them eating like squirrels or whatever, depending on your setup, you know, so some pros and cons there you have to think about, but every animal on a homestead generally is going to have some kind of purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. and cats are a good layer to have in there for some of that management of the homestead. But going back to dogs, all right, we've talked about kind of big picture a dog that you might be selecting short hair versus long hair, big dog versus little dog, individual breeds, um, you know, kind of what's your overall goal. You can obviously have multiple dogs for multiple reasons, multiple purposes, but now you have to train those dogs specifically for their purpose, for their task, you know. Another setup could be you have a livestock guardian dog with some of your livestock then you have a deterrent dog that kind of hangs out with the people walking around, whether that's you, your family, your kids, whoever's moving around, and that dog lives inside with you and then has access to the outdoors as well, you know. So lots of different setups, lots of different ways you could go about doing a homestead. Um, Chris, any other ideas on, you know, kind of strategic setting up of dogs on a homestead for different purposes? No, just no. I mean... Like, I mean, I think you pretty much hit it all on the head. Know what you want. You got to, I think, I think many people just jump the gun a lot. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I mm-hmm. want to, I want a dog. Oh, so, you know, some farmer says, well, you get you a great Pyrenees. That's mm-hmm. what they, they're going to get you taken care of. <laughs> like, all right, well, I'm going to go to the shelter, find some great Pyrenees and then let's rock and roll. Like, no, nah, know what you want. Be a little, like, take your time, do some research, mm-hmm. find a good breeder, like figure all that stuff out before you jump the gun and get the dog. Cause you might get that, you might get you a big old Mastiff breed mm-hmm. thinking, you know, with the, with the intention of like, hey, this dog's going to patrol my 50 acres of property. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This dog probably doesn't have the stamina for that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> he might not be a patroller with right. his personality either. Right, which it's like if you look at those breeds, it's like, yeah, they're designed to hang around the house. They mm-hmm. hang out. They, they do protect the property. They alert mm-hmm. to strangers, but they're not really patrolling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not going to be patrolling miles and miles of your property or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, know what you want, do some research, and then, and then kind of build your setup based off of that. Yeah. So, uh, when you have dogs on your homestead, let's say you select a dog or a couple dogs and you're like, okay, I'm going to bring them onto the homestead for different, for different purposes, whatever that is. There's some common issues that will probably need some work. And these have specifically been brought up to me in some of these social media groups with people asking about help with their dogs. One of the common issues is the dogs are chasing cats. They're chasing (laughs) poultry. They're chasing small livestock like little goats you know like some of the dogs are grabbing little goats and killing them you know and the people they don't know how to handle that you know so that is just going to be linked to a dog's natural prey drive we'll talk about that in a second but that's a a common issue so we have to teach the dog boundaries around particular prey items like cats poultry small livestock your dog will still have a prey drive but it will learn how to not engage these specific animals that are on your homestead in a prey drive but you have to maintain that as well which we'll talk about in a second then another common issue that gets brought up to me a lot is dogs not respecting boundaries of other larger animals like horses cows ostriches you know these bigger animals they're still prey animals but they're just bigger and the dogs aren't respecting the boundaries And so like a horse, for example, will kick you and that could be a serious injury to a dog, right? It could also bite a dog, things like that. So you have to teach these animals how to operate together, respect each other, respect their boundaries. Are there any other common issues that you can think of? I mean, those are probably the big ones. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about how to resolve these, these common issues. First of all, the chasing cats, poultry, livestock, like I said, this is rooted in prey drive. So big picture here, what you're going to have to do is number one, socialize your dog to those animals. And then you're going to have to teach your dog boundaries around them. And so the easiest way to do that is going to be to create for yourself, your specific situation, a training progression to get your dog from where it's at now to how it can operate efficiently and clearly with your smaller animals that it has prey drive with cats, poultry, livestock. So I'm just going to mention real quick a episode that we did, episode 96, where we talked about a training progression. Um, Maybe that episode will give you some thoughts on how to build out your specific training progression. But one example could be just an overall training progression. 
you got a dog with high prey drive um, to cats, poultry, small livestock. First of all, whatever your dog practices is what it's going to continue to do. So you have to limit and manage your dog until you get it to stop trying to chase these things and kill them. So one easy way to do that, have your dog on a leash when you take it outside. Don't let it practice chasing the cats, the, the chickens, or the, the livestock. Keep it on a leash. Keep it close to you as you're moving around. If you're not working with that dog or moving it around with you, put it into a pen of its own, whether that's an outdoor pen or whether it's an indoor kennel situation, something like that. And this, too, from day one like let's especially a common one is people get puppies right so like right. sometimes puppies they're super young they're tiny they don't have a lot of strength their teeth are i mean they're sharp but oh, like yeah. they're not equipped to really kill an animal necessarily mm-hmm. and then the puppies start chasing the cats or they start t- chasing the chickens and we what do we do oh mm-hmm. look, it's a cute little puppy right yeah. like and it's not a problem till it's a problem right but how much how many repetitions have they had right. so this is like I mean, I'm experiencing this myself with Mm -hmm. Rampage, my puppy. Mm -hmm. He he definitely wants to chase some chickens. You know what I'm saying? So from day one, you're not allowed to do that behavior. You know what I'm saying? While you're going through this progression because they don't, in the beginning, they don't know or understand anything. And don't let your wiener dogs fool you either. I've seen them snap some chicken necks. Oh, yeah. Oh, they'll get after it. (laughs) I mean, they were literally bred to hunt badgers. You know, so uh, don't let them fool you. Yeah. But anyway, so you're going to, number one, manage your dog, not let them practice that behavior. Number two, you have to start teaching them what to do. Your dog doesn't know what to do. It has this prey drive. It likes to chase things. It doesn't know what to do. So you're going to teach them what to do. First of all, you're going to establish engagement with your dog where it knows how to give you eye contact. Then you're going to establish certain obedience behaviors with your dog on a homestead. You probably don't care about healing. You probably don't care about loose leash walking because your dog's going to be off leash for the most part. But it could still be an important thing to teach your dog. So... You know, if you're focusing on the big picture items, you get that engagement done. You're letting your dog not practice bad behaviors like chasing your your prey animals. You teach your dog how to come on command. That'd be one of the most important obedience commands. You teach your dog how to downstay. That's another important obedience command. That's your self-control. Once you get that done, you teach your dog accountability with a leash so they understand what happens if they break a rule. You teach them remote collar conditioning and application which we did a podcast episode 75 on remote collars that tells you how to do that gives you all the details on that the reason why that's important is because that's your invisible leash even if you teach your dog all this stuff and they're not chasing your prey animals anymore it's not guaranteed they're never gonna like all of a sudden chase one out of nowhere so that's why you have your remote collar so you can remind them to not be doing those types of bad behaviors and once you get that done your remote collar done Now you're just kind of proofing your dog's boundaries around the prey animals. So if your dog is around the cats and is staring at them a little bit too much, you can communicate with your remote collar to avert their gaze from the cat back to you or avert it from the cat, period. As long as they're not focused on the cat or trying to chase the cat, they can do whatever they want. The minute they try to go for that cat, they get recalled to you and a correction applied via remote collar if they're not moving back to you. That's as simple as you can get it you know, then you just maintain that. You do that with all of your, your, uh, small prey animals. Then over time you just have your dogs and your prey animals around each other more and more establishing and maintaining your dog's boundaries to them. And then you'll find it being where your dog understands and doesn't go after them anymore. That is probably the simplest training progression that's focused on that specific problem. Is there any other things you would add to that or other considerations? Yeah, I think the temptation is for most people to jump to the accountability side of things. So I think you need to be careful there. Like, and and you can't, like, you can be successful with that, right? Like, Hey, look, every time my dogs goes after a chicken, I'm just going to correct. I'm just going to give them a correction on the leash or remote call or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so like, now you're talking about building an aversion, right? Where now my dog's actively avoiding my chickens or livestock or whatever. So like, obviously if you're in bigger picture, you want herding that, that can be a big problem, Mm -hmm. right? Where now like the dog wants nothing to do with the livestock that can accomplish your goals and that, Hey, just my dog stays away, whatever. But I think what you want is toleration. Like you just want your dog to not necessarily avoid them. You want integration. You want integration. Integration Like we're all a a unit. We're all the home. We're all part of the homestead. We're all, we're like, it doesn't have to be that we all get along, but Mm -hmm. you, you tolerate each other. You're not necessarily uh, avoidant of these things, Mm -hmm. but you understand the boundaries that like, you're not going to chase and kill my chickens, but you, you, you should be able to 
hang out at a down say, well, I'm out over here, you know, 10 feet away feeding my chickens. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Or if you go into a pasture with your goats. Right. You want your dog in that pasture with you. Right. You got to make sure that they understand to not go after the goats. So right. They can just be in, in integrated operation with the goats, right. you know? And, yep. And if you want, if you're wanting one of these dogs, that's like a multi-purpose type thing, right? Mm. And you're just going straight to your corrections and you're killing their drives to chase and, and bite things, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe I, I want my dog to chase off and bite people potentially, right? right. If, if, if the wrong type of person's finding their way onto my property, that could be a potential goal or for my fox. dog or a fox or, you know, like I, there might be a time where I want my dog, Hey, go chase that thing and yeah. attack that thing or yeah. whatever. I mean, if you kill the prey drive, like you said, they might not even go after the fox. Right. If the fox Just is Just like, there. Oh, that's not something we do. Right. You, know what I'm you saying? don't chase anything. Right. It's right. like you don't chase these specific animals. Right. 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 Exactly. And that's where the engagement, the focus building, the boundaries, like teaching the expectations, going through that training progression, is it's, it's deeper than just, okay, just correct. A lot of old school people say, right. hey, just correct your dog when they're doing right. the, the thing you don't want them to do. And yeah. if you leave it at that, you can have other consequences. It might get you where you're wanting, but it's not going to be the best method. It's always better to take your time with it and go through yeah. the proper steps and have that big strategic picture in mind like what are your long-term goals then you create a training progression that aligns with your long-term goals Mm -hmm. you know that integrates all of your animals together the best as possible because like chris said if you jump the gun and you just you know go on the internet and you search like how to get my dog to stop chasing chickens and someone says well i put this uh, garmin remote collar on them and i started hitting them with it and they stopped right that's gonna potentially kill the, the dog's drive overall and that can create problems for goals that you have, depending on what your goals are, you know? Yeah. So definitely a good, good, uh, discussion point there. Um, you know, boundaries, boundaries to other prey animals like horses, cows, ostrich, donkeys. I mean, donkeys are generally kept with cows, kept with horses as a guardian animal. So if your dog goes up and doesn't respect the donkey, a donkey is more likely to cause injury to your dog. But I've trained a number of of dogs for people. I've trained a dog for a horse ranch before. We had to teach that dog how to operate in proximity to the horses. Because when you have a large number of horses like this, this, these ranchers did, you got to go drag those fields out, you know, the horse poop, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get in your little gator or your Polaris you hook up the drag up to it. You drag it around. They wanted their dog running with them as they're driving their gator around or their Polaris around in the horse area as they're in those horse pastures. And so your dog has to know how to operate around the horses. Your dog also has to know how to operate with the gator or the Polaris because mm-hmm. some dogs will want to chase that bite at the wheels, things like that. So you also have to teach that, and that's just a boundary thing. Um, other people... I've trained dogs for, they like riding horses on like trails. You know, they have a large property. They have horses. They like taking their horses and riding them down trails. They want their dogs with them. So teaching your dog how to walk in proximity to that horse, your dog is a predator. You know, your dog's legit a predator. So your horse might interpret your dog as having predator intentions unless you properly integrate them together. One thing you'll have to teach your dog, don't walk up behind your horse. You have to walk up at an angle from your horse's eye where your horse can clearly see your dog and clearly clearly understand their intentions so it doesn't spook them or upset them, just as an example. So if you're doing like a trail ride with your horse, you got your dog with you, your dog needs to know where to walk in relation to that horse. But boundaries are generally just rooted in the dog not understanding what to do. You know, if you don't teach your dog what to do, how to operate in different situations, just like with chasing your, your smaller prey animals, your chickens, for example, your dog doesn't know what to do. You have to teach your dog what to do to integrate properly. So you have to teach boundaries to your dog. You have to teach them to walk in a proper view of the larger animal so it doesn't upset them. You have to keep in mind, like I already said, that dogs are predator animals. Their appearance could trigger a prey animal like a horse, a cow, an ostrich, something like that. And these larger animals can cause major injury. Oh yeah, you know, or kill a dog. So you don't want that happening either. You didn't get a dog for your cow to kill it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So a training progression again has to be built out for this boundary goal, and it's going to be very similar to the chasing scenario training progression. But first, you're going to want 
to not let your dog practice behaviors you don't want it to perform. So you don't want it to practice running up on your horses, running up on your cows and spooking them. You also have to, and again, the way we did that before was with a leash. You're going to do that with a leash or a long line as well. And that's going to help you start establishing some boundaries to those animals with your leash itself. Then you're going to want to teach engagement. You're going to want to teach your dog how to perform specific obedience behaviors like a come command would be critical. Down stay command would be critical in my mind. A sit stay, something like that. And then, uh, again, your accountability for doing something wrong. If I tell you to come, you're not coming. You get accountability for that with the leash first. And then remote collar conditioning and application. Because that remote collar is going to be your invisible leash. And if I can teach that properly and not rush it, if I can teach that properly, that remote collar will allow me to give my dog the freedom that it desires, the freedom that it has earned as a dog on your homestead, but also communicate very clearly to them. And then after you do that, you're going to go into specific scenarios. So if you like trail riding with your horses, you're going to do that with your dog and you're going to teach your dog how to walk in relation to that horse, generally off to the left or right side of that horse at enough distance where the, your horse is comfortable. At the same time, you're teaching your dog uh, and horse social socialization to each other. If you like going out and tending to your cows, you know, or hanging out with your cows, you maybe got to give them hay or whatever nutrients they need, you know how they have those mineral blocks for them, or just checking on them, you know. You have to teach your dog what to do when different things are going on. You don't run up to the cows, you know. You stay at enough distance where those cows are comfortable and you're comfortable, you know. And if you do that, you might see your animals naturally getting closer on their own and, and operating together on their own because they're properly integrated. But you might have some animals that long-term, they don't want their bubble broken by that dog, you know. What else you got considerations for that, Chris? Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, like, I mean, one of the scenarios you brought up is like the do teaching the dogs how to approach, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So coming up behind, but there, there could also be like the, the horse side of things. And I'm definitely not an expert on that side of things, but you you're, you're, your you're training your horse as well. So mm -hmm. you could in that scenario, if I'm riding my horse and the dog's off behind me in the woods or whatever, and I need to recall him, mm -hmm. like that dog, you can either teach your dog to come wide and come up the front or mm -hmm. you can get your horse used to your dog approaching from the rear right. you know what i'm saying so right. like it can go both ways but it all comes down to scenarios and it you can't run those scenarios without that foundation of training in right. place um but yeah i think just what 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 do you need you know and then how do how do you get there right you have to develop the critical thinking skill set which is what we're trying to help you do by right. having this discussion you know of course we can take you through all the minor details of actually what to do mm-hmm but if you have the critical thinking skill set, you understand the principles of training, you can use that to your advantage to tackle any situation. Yeah. The lady that I did, the the lady that liked riding her horses on the trail with her dog, we would walk the horses with the dog on a leash and teach the dog approaches to the horse with the leash, the long leash, before we ever got on the horse and were riding mm -hmm. the horse. But yeah, you also have to socialize your your prey animals to your dog as well. Yeah. Your chickens, your cats you know, your horses, your cows, you have to teach them that that dog is not a threat. Now you do run the risk of those prey animals becoming desensitized to actual threats because right. dogs and coyotes look very similar, yeah. you know? So that's a disadvantage of that. For sure. Um, but yeah, just some considerations there, some things to think about. Like I said, if you understand the principles of training, which episode 96 of our podcast, we go through our dog training guide we have a lot of principles in there that you can follow, right? Um, but the principles of training, if you can understand those and you can understand how to think critically, put yourself in that animal's perspective, whether that's a cow, a chicken, a cat, a horse, a dog, put yourself in their shoes, think about how they're operating, how they're looking at things, um, that will be to your advantage, you know what I'm saying? But any other thoughts overall, homesteading with dogs or how to imp implement dogs? on the homestead no i mean there's different yeah, setups I mean, i've seen you yeah. know i've trained a dog for that horse rancher they have a huge property a lot of horses they have bobcat problems they have coyote problems they had a uh, belgian malinois dog and uh, we had to socialize the dog to the horses we had to socialize the dog to the polaris the gator scenario and now they just drive that around the dog runs with them 
you know, had to socialize the dog to the lawnmower. They have a zero turn that they cut some grass with. You know, the dog wanted to attack it. Oh, yeah. You know, so you got to teach the dog how to how to operate with the zero turn. But once you get all that done, you're integrated now. That dog lives in their house like it sleeps in their house at nighttime. But during the day when they're out on the ranch, that dog's out there with them. And that dog's working all day with them, you know. Um, the the people that I did the dog for the, the horse trail riding, that dog was more of a personal protection dog, um, but she would be out with the horses. She would be out riding with the horses. You got to teach that dog how to operate in those situations. Um, other setups I've seen and given some advice on, you know, people will call for advice or whatever. And even if we don't do the training for the dog, we can advise them what to do. And so other setups, you know, goat pastures, you got different dogs in the goat pastures and you have a central dog that kind of moves around the property, you know, out in the goat pastures, there might be more of like a great Pyrenees type breed than the dog that's roaming the property with them, usually staying in vicinity of the, the farmer, that dog might be like a German shepherd, Belgian, Belgian Malinois. Those are very common breeds um, that people have for that specific scenario. You could have two types of dogs that are your deterrents. You could have one that you allow to range out on your property, kind of go out of sight, out of view, but they know the property boundaries, which that's another thing you have to teach your dog, property yeah. boundaries, mm-hmm. right? So that's a whole different discussion. You don't want your dog just roaming out there, going off all over the neighbor's property. That's disrespectful, right? So you got to teach your dog your property line, how to stay on that property line without one of those property fences, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? I mean, yeah. you're also talking about like big time, to me, you're looking at temperament as well. You know what I mean? On right. that dog, like you're talking about an independent dog right. that can think outside the box, operate on its own. I mean, right. if that dog gets, if some other, a fox, coyote, mm-hmm. a person, and you're, they're, they're 20 acres away, mm-hmm. they get into some stuff, mm-hmm. they're, they're there. They're you may own. not even know. You may right. not even know that something's going down. You know right. what I'm saying? So like, that's a different type of dog that you're looking for as well. Right. You know Exactly. But you could have a dog that's out like your roamer that goes out to your property lines mm-hmm. and kind of moves around. Then you have one that stays closer to you. You know, yeah. that's another that's another type of setup. Um, so there's lots of options with a homestead. Yeah. You know, there's lots of considerations, things to think about. But those are some of the big ticket items. So, Ben, you got anything? Homestead thoughts? Uh, I live in a townhouse, so I <laughs> uh, don't have much homestead experience. But no, well, you got I mean, cats and dogs. Things, you know? Yeah. They lived together, had to integrate them together, and still got a couple, you know. Sometimes Aura, my big dog, will go after the cat, Mm -hmm. but they're cool with each other. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like this... It's not that different, right? right. Like that's that's the the whole thing. Is you you live in a townhouse, you got things you're going to deal with. You got to encounter dogs out, yeah, out in your neighborhood, in my backyard. It's all very, very. Mm -hmm. As far as how you would approach this stuff, it's Mm -hmm. it's all really the same. You know, just the scenarios are different. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, any closing thoughts, guys? All good. Good to go. Homesteads. It's it's the thing. People are definitely homesteading. Definitely pro homestead. Getting out of the city, getting their piece of land, you know, and uh, learning how to live on the land. Mm -hmm. And on a homestead, there's always things to do. Yeah. You know, there's always improvements to the land. You might need some French drains for your water problems. You might need a pond, you know, which if you got a pond now, what are you doing with your dog with the pond? You know, is there a problem with, with the dog with it? Is there no problem? You know, what about snakes? Mm. You know, you got snake considerations, venomous snake considerations. How are you going to manage your snake areas? You know, your hoof stock will help with your snake problems. But if you don't have a lot of hoof stock, you could have venomous snakes moving around. How does your dog interact with a, with a snake in general? Right? Have you taught your dog to avoid snakes? Do you not want your dog to avoid snakes? So there's so many yeah. different things you could go down tangents you could go on with a homestead you know just so many considerations but real quick if you're wanting some more information on individual things you can work on with your dog especially from a homesteading perspective our episodes we've got episode 96 that's your overall dog training guide you've got episode 80 that's how we teach a stay command a stay behavior you've got episode 59 that's how you teach a come command. You've got episode 75. That's going to be your remote collar considerations and understanding and how to teach a remote collar. So those would be probably the big ticket ones. 
you'd want to think about. All right, we've also got episode 90 on socialization. That's specifically for pet dogs, but the same principles and concepts would apply to socializing a dog to your homestead animals. So every animal has a purpose on a homestead. Dogs, like we said, protection of property, deterrence, livestock guardian, those types of things. Cats, that's going to help you with your pest control, your mice, your rats, those types of things. You've got your your poultry, right? Obviously, chickens providing you with eggs. If you free range them, you get that next level egg, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the good stuff. Poultry also good for pest control. You know, if you got the free rangers, they're out roaming around. They're eating the spiders, the palmetto bugs. If you live in a southern state, they're eating the ticks, the fleas, these types of things. So it can help you with your overall homestead plan, your homestead strategic plan. That can be some good, um, you know, just pest control for you. Now, that does come with risks. If you're going to free range them, you got higher risks from predators, you know. You've got your guinea fowl, which could be an early warning system. They could also be really good at, at pest control as well. They could also let you know if there's a potential predator <clears throat> around the areas that they're in. You know, there's been many times where a fox shows up and guinea fowl will alert to that fox. So now you can react and try to protect your, your livestock. Goats can be really good for maintaining your wood line, you know, maintaining pastures. You know, because they're eating everything, basically. <laughs> Pigs, same thing. Uh, horses, you know, those are generally prey animals, but you can use them for a variety of things. You can use them to move around. You know, cows, obviously. Milk, you know, beef. These types of things are also really good about maintaining your land, grazing your land. So just a lot of options out there. Fertilizer. Chickens are good fertilizer. They provide good fertilizer, too. Oh, I know that. So <clears throat> lots of options out there. Lots of considerations. But that's all we got for you guys for our thoughts on homesteading with dogs. If you have specific things you'd like to talk to us about, just hit us up. Let us know. We'd be more than happy to have that discussion with you. We, Canine Revolution Dog Training, are now doing virtual lessons. So even if you live at a distance from us and you still want us to consult with you and you know advise you on specific things to be doing with your dog, whether that's one time or multiple times, you can hit us up at info at caninerevolutiondogtraining.com or 843-213-2676. We're more than happy to set up a virtual appointment with you to help you meet your goals with your dog. We've got a team of over 25 people ready to serve you and your dog. If you're across the United States or if you're in our area, South Carolina, you can bring your dog to us. Or if you're in our local area, we can come to you and uh, train your dog for you right? Then train you and your family. Dog training is a two-part thing. One, it's training the dog how to behave, how to perform. Two, it's training the family and it's integrating those two parts together. That's what our programs accomplish. We've also got Canine Revolution apparel. That's going to be your good stuff on Amazon. You're going to be your good to go stuff, right? I got my good to go beanie on today. It's really, it's really warm too. But you can also get your Canine Revolution logo on a hoodie, on a shirt, right, on a mug. Get that on Amazon. You can also get it through our Facebook and Instagram pages now. We're working on it on the YouTube, right, <clears throat> and the TikTok. So you have more options to, to acquire your Canine Revolution apparel to represent, right, represent and just be good to go overall. We've also got Origin USA, which Chris has an Origin beanie on today also warm very warm yeah american made yeah yeah origin usa we are an affiliate with origin usa made in america sourced in america materials that's going to be your jeans what we got on chris we got the delta 68s i got the factory down oh those are the thicker ones yeah because it's a little chilly today i got the delta 68s on today ben what are we wearing today levi China pants. My oh, wow. uh, my jockers are getting washed right now. Actually, well, oh, you wash them? <laughs> yeah, you're no, supposed you to wash, wash them. them. You don't have to wash jeans. Trust me, they smell bad. <laughs> Origin USA's got the inner layers. You know, I got some of the new. Uh, what do you call it? It's like a the inner layer of your your top. Mm-hmm. What do you call? Yeah, it? like a, like kind of like a long john shirt. Like a long john shirt. Yeah. Like they have yeah. that for when it's cold. Yeah. Nano wool, which is super comfortable. Mm. Way more comfortable than the old school long johns. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
But I got that for the top and the bottom. Mm. Under my pants, I can put it. I don't have it on today. Mm. But I was going to say, could you show us? The other day it was super cold, and I had those on underneath, you know. Then my top's good to go, mm. you know. So Origins got what you need. If you're a homesteader, you might be providing for your family. You're going to need that Raptor camo, yeah. depending on where you're at. They got the woodland camo for woodland areas. They got the highland camo for highland-type areas. But that Raptor camo, man, that shit's good. It's good. It's real good. So they have multiple layers of that, too. Yeah. So when you go out, let's say you're deer hunting to provide for your family, you go out to your homestead you know, property where you're going to be doing that at, you'll blend right in, and you'll be warm and comfortable. Oh, yeah. So comfortable you might fall asleep. Yeah. Then the deer walks right by you. <laughs> well, you needed well, some sleep, obviously. Yeah. Well, then you need to just need to drink a Jocko. <laughs> That's a true. That's now true. we're talking. <laughs> See? That See? pivots to the next <laughs> one. Come <laughs> full circle. But Origin USA, go to originusa.com. You'll get 10% off with the promo code SINGER101. They've got martial arts gear. They've got your everyday wear. They've got your cold gear, your warm gear, your exercise gear. Just check it out. You won't be disappointed. And, uh, again, sourced in America. All the materials are sourced in America. The cotton they use, the rivets they use, and then it's made in America, right? But, yeah, like Ben said, the next affiliate we're working with, we work with, is Jocko Fuel. JockoFuel.com. You'll literally find any health supplement you need. Yeah. You need Jocko Go. That's the clean energy drink, which has been what Ben was just talking about. You won't fall asleep when you're out deer hunting if you've drank a Jocko Go before you go out there. Not only that, the Jocko Go is going to give you the electrolytes that will help you stay hydrated out in the field and the vitamins that your body needs to operate at maximum potency. You know what I'm saying? And now that I'm thinking about it, maybe not a good idea to drink one before you go deer hunting no good no good, good idea. Idea. Might, might be too jacked up no, no. <laughs> might want to go and tackle the deer <laughs> get you right where you need that's to the be. good yeah. thing about yeah. the the jocko go energy drink it's not like a, a fake energy drink it's not overdosing you it's not fake it's bringing you up to a to an optimal work level mm-hmm. i'm looking at chris's can right here it says uh his jocko go can yeah uh it says increase focus increase exactly focus. so Some nootropic support maybe memory. just focused on 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 that deer Focused oh, yeah. on the deer. Might, honed in on your increase senses. your accuracy. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Focused on your uh, dog training if you're training a dog. Yeah, 100%. I think it does enhance your eye, your eyesight, it your may. vision. Yeah. So then your accuracy will be improved. If you I mean, wear glasses, you might just not have to wear glasses anymore. You won't have anymore. to wear glasses anymore. If you drink like a Jocko a day, do you just not have to wear glasses Probably. anymore? Yeah, your body yeah. just gets younger. We yeah, might be yeah, on the yeah. verge yeah. of making things up at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Cannot be confirmed, but that is suspected. Based on the good nutrients in yeah. the drink. They've also got the Jocko White Tea. So let's say you've already had a Jocko Go, but you want to take a warm drink out into the field with you, but have the health benefits. You can get you a Jocko White Tea, brew it up, be good to go. Mm. That shit's good. Yeah. You At know. this point, I'm waiting on the Jocko Coffee to come out. They do. Because it, he's, got, he's got coffee? Yeah. The coffee milk. Oh, the well, coffee yeah, protein yeah, yeah, mix. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm waiting on like coffee grounds. No, I think from he's. I think he's uh, working with like a, a partnered up. Navy Seal partner coffee company. Mm. I know he knows the Black Rifle guys. Like, yeah. He oh yeah, with them yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So he might, you know, Black Rifle might come out with the Jocko Brew. You never mm, know. Dang, that'd be <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but anyway, you know the other thing about Jocko Fuel again, sourced in America, made in America supplements, all good for you. Some of my favorites are the greens. Because I like having those micronutrients that you miss in your a lot of your meals, right? The greens, if you implement that into your daily routine, that will help supply you with more micronutrients that your body can utilize to your advantage. And if you're a homesteader, you're working hard on your land. You're working hard on your homestead. And you need those micronutrients to be at peak optimal performance, right? You've also got the mulk, which is your protein supplement. You can get mm. some additional protein in during the day. Or if you're a homesteader, you're super busy, you can grab a milk ready to drink. It comes delivered to you in a case. You grab it, you pop the top, you drink it, boom. Now you've got 30 grams of protein that fast. And if you get the coffee flavor, you get some additional caffeine in it too. Now let me tell you guys a story recently. <clears throat> I, I hate to say this, but I mismanaged my time recently. Mm. We were going to as Canine Revolution, except for Ben, he decided to blow us off. But we were going <laughs> what to, was that? We were going to the uh, the fight night 
oh, yeah, to yeah. support one of our alumni who's a uh, high-level MMA fighter. And uh, Ben blew us off. He he's, couldn't make it for yeah, whatever other reason. arrangements made but months ben, before Ben's that. Ben's fiance, she held it down for him. She did? Yeah, she she represents me as well, so I was there <laughs> technically. <laughs> anyway, I mismanaged my time. I had to leave, and I had planned on eating a meal before I left, but I ran out of time. So what did I do? Boom. I grabbed two. Double. Two you doubled RTDs because I needed 60 grams of protein. Boom. I grabbed those puppies. I grab a go. So on the way to that event, which is like a 40-minute drive for me, I drank my RTDs, my Molks. Now I got my protein in me. Took mm-hmm. the go with me mm-hmm. into the event So, because, again, the event was later in the evening. So I'm staying up past my normal bedtime. So I knew I needed that extra help to assist me staying up past bedtime. Yeah. So it got me through the evening, no problem. I did hear a story what? about that night. What about it? Is that around this time, arrival you had to make an emergency bathroom. That was probably break. the downside of the double banger of caffeine. That uh, I heard it was in an emergency. We were oh, running. Yeah, yeah. We were running. Yeah. Well, we went to a store that didn't have a bathroom uh, I can accessible confirm, to the public. I can confirm the details and, of this story. And uh, it was a, sounds like a catastrophe for well, bathrooms. This, this was a true story. Yeah. Okay. And because my plan got messed up, I had planned on using the bathroom before I left after mm-hmm. I ate my food. I wasn't able to do that. So I added in all these extra nutrients, and my body is, like, processing everything. It's like, you got to go now. I mean, he stopped traffic. Like, he jaywalked across. Jay ran. He I believe ran. it. So we I park in the parking garage because it's downtown Charleston. We park in the parking garage. I run. I'm Ben's fiance is there before me and my wife. So I'm calling her. I'm like, where's the bathroom? Find it. Where's Scope the public bathroom? She's like, they're down here. <laughs> I run down the stairs. They're closed. They're locked. I'm like, fuck. And so there's a Target next door. So I run into the target. I'm running around. Well, my wife and Ben's fiance are like, why don't you just ask somebody? And I'm like, no, I'll figure it out. I'm running around Single the store. Guy. I see the bathrooms. There's an employee right there. I'm going. She's like, employees only. I was like, are you serious? I was like, where's the closest public bathroom? She's like, across the street, across this corner or whatever. So I run. <laughs> you know, there's red lights or there's green lights. We got traffic going both ways downtown Charleston. Doesn't care. Thanks, there's red lights. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. I'm just like, I got to go. So I'm weaving between the cars running across the road. You can get a ticket for that. Yeah. Run into the bathroom, get business taken care of. On the way out, there's an older gentleman. He's having trouble getting into the bathroom. <laughs> and so I'm like, shit, I got to help this guy. So I help him with his walker, get into the, into the uh, what do you call it, stall. Is that the handicap stall? Yeah. Oh, my God. I help him get into the stall and get his his pants down. I'm like, all right, see you later. What? Yes. You pulled his pants down. I didn't down. pull him down, but I helped him stabilize so he oh could. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that was my good. good Samaritan. Yeah, good, good Samaritan good award over here. Samaritan. Anyway, we're talking about jockofuel.com, right? Jocko Fuel, how it's going to help you, support you. I got my 60 grams of protein in. Yes, I did have to go to the bathroom. Yes, I did have a Jocko go after that. And I the, the fight was good. It was a great fight night, right? Um, so anyway, you've got your Jocko Goes energy drink. You got your milk. You got your greens. You got your white tea. If you need some other things like joint support, you need some super krill oil or fish oil. You need testosterone optimizer. They have all that stuff. Vitamin D3, they have it all. So check it out. <clears throat> you can use promo code Singer, uh, not Singer 101, Canine mm-hmm. Revolution at Jocko Fuel for your 10% off discount, and you won't be disappointed. We've also got Canine Super Supplements, and this is at caninesupersupplements.com, the letter K, the number nine, supersupplements.com. These are for your dog. These are for filling any gaps in your dog's diet. Most dogs have gaps in their diet because you're filling, feeding them kibble. Even if you're feeding them a raw diet or like a farmer's dog, you're still going to have some gap in your dog's diet. So you can pick up some of the formulas at Canine Super Supplements, like the multivitamin formula, the joint support formula, the puppy formula. Even if you don't have a puppy, the nutrients in there are going to be great for your dog. I have my dogs and all three of those. You can also get the weight gainer if you have a, a hard gainer dog or a dog with a high metabolism that needs to add some weight. You can add the weight gainer to them. But it's basically just a powder. You scoop the powder into their food or their water bowl. You mix it up. Boom. Your dog, My dogs love it. 
You know, yeah, your dogs will good. love it. So you can go to caninesupersupplements.com, use discount code canine revolution for 15% off. You won't be disappointed. All right. <clears throat> so those are our main affiliates, our main sponsors. Again, if we can help you out at canine revolution dog training, either through a virtual lesson, through one of our standard board and train programs, through a private lesson, reach out to us, info at caninerevolutiondogtrain.com, 843-213-2676. We got your back for life. We want to support you for life. We want to help you meet your goals with your dog and have that integration that everyone wants with their dog. We thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any topics that you want us to cover, please leave it in the comments below. Please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching this on YouTube, just subscribe and let us know how we can continue to serve you. And until next time, this is Pack Talk Podcast, out.